What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of Teeing It Up with CNB. Uh, episode 10? Double digits? Might be 11. Might be 11. 11? Okay, so I missed our double digit anniversary. I apologize. Uh, my name's Connor, as always, coming at you with my host, Vladdy, here to talk about another episode of Summer Sports. How you doing, pal? Pretty good. Um, I mean, I had a really nice extended weekend, had one of those non-working Fridays where I got to golf with a buddy, and then I kind of realized that halfway through was like Saturday night. And I was thinking to myself, I've done nothing for the last 48 hours and it's still only Saturday. It was, it was a really good feeling, made me enjoy my Sunday a lot more. And then today I got to work from home. So I've kind of been on a vacation for the last four or five days. Yeah, that's nice. It's nice to be able to break, like working up like that. Would you go from home? Um, I don't know. Do you find yourself more motivated at home or I don't necessarily think anything changes. I feel like I'm equally distracted everywhere I'm at. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I, I, cause a part of me feels like driving in. It's like, well, I made, I made the drive. I might as well you know, try. Yeah. But then a part of me is like, well, I can wake up and just grind in my bed. Like no, no effort to put anything else into my day. Might as well work hard at work. So I, I don't know. I think it goes both ways. But. No, I, I completely agree. But what about you? Anything new in the last week? Anything fun? Not really. I had a quiet weekend. Um, played golf both Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah, no, I played decent golf, played a good course on Saturday. It was pretty nice. Um, other than that, no, I didn't go out at all. It was a nice, quiet weekend. Um, well needed as I kind of Said, I, I think I've said multiple times on this podcast that I had a very busy June. Um, so, and then after the fourth, uh, to kind of quiet it down just a bit has been nice so far this July. Yeah, I keep telling myself I need a quiet weekend. And then someone's like, hey, let's have a bonfire. And then we end up playing pool until four in the morning. Yeah. No such thing as a quiet weekend. It, it was quiet in that for me, and that like, I had my house, I still live with my parents, don't hate people. Um, I had the house to myself, the rest of the family was up North and I literally, no one came over. I didn't do anything else. I literally Saturday, I walked like, it's like a mile and a half both ways. So three mile round trip. I walked to Chipotle for lunch and then I golfed in the evening and then I went to bed late, woke up, played golf. My family was back in the afternoon. So I got like, it was just extremely quiet. If I, if I didn't hit the golf course today, and I only played with one other person both rounds. So I only really talked to two people the entire week. What a rebellious weekend you had. I know. Uh, it was the, the anti-social social club. Is that like? <laughs> um, well, well, let's get into uh, some sports stuff. There's some stuff to talk about. Uh, yesterday, we had the last of the week's worth uh, of the four. Sorry, I can't talk. Jesus. Of uh, the four weeks of golf worth watching, the final one was this past weekend. The British Open ended in somewhat of a disappointing fashion, I think, for most golf fans. Cameron Smith shot a 30, a 30 on the back um, to take home the Claret Trophy. Uh, he shot uh, the leader going into the days were tied Victor Hovland and, of course, the heartthrob Rory McIlroy. I think I was in the minority of people actually rooting against Rory. Um, Maybe it was because the pool I'm in had for their bonus player where you get double points. Mm-hmm. Five of the 98 people had Brewery as one of their bonus guys, and I did not. 
But I, I know they tried to build that storyline. It really would have been too good of a storyline. Um, but yeah, he didn't pull it out. It felt like he kind of ran out of holes. I don't know. Did you watch any of it? Yeah, um, I, I watched a decent bit Thursday because it got me through the day of work. I think Friday and Saturday was kind of nothing. And then Sunday, I just sat down to watch the end of it. Um, honestly, to kind of recap all of it, this was my first time kind of seeing St. Andrews, or at least the old course in action. Yeah. It was just kind of wacky and wonky. You had a bunch of massive shared greens. You had guys putting from 160 feet. I mean, half the time, depending on – or depending on um, – where they were at, they couldn't stop the ball. You didn't really have those like classic right. shots to within a couple of feet. It was just but at the really same time, guys were driving 400 yards. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Okay, because the course ways. was so dry that ball never yeah. stopped. But right. you know, it was just it was just a really interesting tournament. I'd never seen anything like it. But like you mentioned, Cam Smith, but he kind of really grew on me. I, I think I kind of started the started kind of the whole tournament as like you know what whatever see happens and I was kind of in the let's go Rory group and then as Cam Smith kept going I kind of went from oh my god this guy's a rat to like wait a minute he's like a stone cold assassin he doesn't miss putts he he plays good golf and I'm a big fan and then speaking of Cam Smith you've got live rumors for him Jeez, you yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that's I don't like how true are those because like that'd be like too like I feel like that's just feeding into storylines. Golf art has a rare storyline going on right now with, with this rivalry between the two tours. Um, and it's, I feel like that's just like, add, like adding fuel to the fire that not necessarily. So I, th- I think where they came from is they asked him about the rumors after he won and he kind of got annoyed with the question. It was kind of like a Brooks Kepka type thing where he's like, yeah. Oh, well, blah, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And then two days later, it's like, Oh, I'm off. It'd be a tough loss because he, right up there with probably Scotty Scheffler, has played the best in the uh, in the world this year. I would also say he's kind of in that next breed of thing where, like, up until now, the most of the guys that the Liv has taken have just kind of been, you know what, guys, last legs of their career. He's one of those younger players. I mean, I can't really say up and coming now. He's a major champion. Right. But he's a younger guy. He's got so much ahead of him. and. I just think this is kind of all headed for some like cold war of golf. I think, I mean, you've got live poaching uh, media personalities now. I think this is going to be really entertaining. Yeah, no, I definitely built storylines, but to go back into one last note for me, at least uh, that's, they tore that golf course. Up. I know, I, I know it said like Louis stays in in 2010 was at like minus 16 going to the last day. I believe tiger was at minus 18 going into the last day. So, like, that was not uncommon, but you are kind of used to seeing, at least especially Brookline, where I believe Fitzpatrick for the U.S. Open won with minus five. Uh, I know Zalatoris and Thomas were at minus five in the PGA for the uh, playoff, and then I believe Scheffler won with a minus nine or ten for the Masters. So you just weren't used to seeing, you know, a minus 20 end up winning the tournament in a major. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I know I kind of talked about that with some friends is that like, it's okay to have different styles of golf, different scores of golf. Do I want to see a major be minus, you know, even par every single time? No, I want to see it to be hard, you know, every once in a while. And every once in a while, I see, I want to watch these guys play my municipal course and see how freaking much better they are than me. Um, I, I just like to see both styles of golf. And I think uh, seeing too much of one of like those scoring options is bad. Uh, but seeing a mix of that is very refreshing. I didn't mind at all the high scoring. 
No, I, th- I think you put it really well. Having a mix is nice. As long as you like are watching like competitive golf, like I'm sure the, the, the tiger dominance years were great, but I'm sure at the same time, it must've been boring watching a guy 15 shots ahead of the rest of the field. Right. So I guess as long as you have competition, you have it coming down to the 18th green and you have pots, you need to make chips. As long as it comes down, like the, the last two majors have ended like uh, really interestingly, you've had, you've had, like I said, the competition, you've had the intrigue. I think that's the most important thing, whether you're scoring minus 20 or minus or minus two, as long as it's not unanimous and like the same thing every time, I think you're fine. Yeah. Rory McIlroy, 36 point putts. Uh, you could talk about that final pairing. Victor Hovland choked. Rory just didn't play good enough to win. He didn't choke. He did. He just didn't play good enough to win. 36 putts, 18 holes. The classic just like hit every single green in regulation, shot minus two and lost by, didn't even come in second, lost yeah. by two strokes. Um, I want to say one thing about Rory. Can you imagine being this man? He's like, he's like captain PGA tour. And right. can you imagine him blowing the lead to a guy who ends up on the live tour if that actually happens? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that storyline. That's got to be terrible. So did you see the, the storyline or article? They apparently had a shot uh, on Friday. Tiger was going over that like famous bridge on 18. Mm-hmm. Walking down the fairway, he uh, like Rory was on the one tee box, which is in that giant fairway that like – even freaking you could hit with a driver, buddy. Oh, um, that's the uh, don't get don't give me too much credit. Right. Uh, you like tip Rory tipped his cap and Tiger like gave him saw it and gave it a wave and they were like like oh that's like the next gen like that's the next Tiger. Well, hey, Rory's thirty three. He's not exactly young anymore. Um, he's very much still in his prime and probably will be for the next four or five years at least. Um, I think your prime starts to go down after 40 in golf. Yeah. Um, you know, guys could win, but I really do think once you, I mean, DJ played great golf this weekend until Sunday. He's in his late thirties. People can get it done. It's 30s. the consistency that goes first yeah. in my opinion. Rory. Right. Right. And, and the ability, like, like you say what you want about golf, like playing, playing 18 holes and having to walk a 7,000 yard course every single day. You can't – once you get over 35, 40, the body can't do that every single week like some of these younger cats play every single week. Absolutely, no. Definitely. You can only play the majors and select a few other events. Absolutely, yeah. It's – I don't know. It's it's interesting. So, I mean, I, I did want to go to one other uh, – to one thing before we kind of get into the, the, the more relevant. So, there was uh, – the, the track and field world championships were going on this past weekend. Um do you kind of have an idea of what I'm saying? Do you, do you know really what I'm about to get into or no? Uh, I just saw you put in a group chat. Uh, that's tough. And I read like the caption of the story. Okay. So look into to, the situation. To elaborate for the people. So obviously this is not the most important or relevant event to all of us, but there was an issue. So Devin Allen, who's actually an NFL player for the Philadelphia Eagles, he was disqualified for a quote unquote false start. However, this was not a normal false start where he left before the gun went. He left after the gun. However, track has a rule where if you react and if you leave your starter blocks within a tenth of a second of the gun going off, you are disqualified because they assume that you were guessing because they assume that no human being can react that fast. So he reacted to 0.099 seconds after the gun went. So he was one thousandth of a second faster than this cutoff time. 
And so they said, you know what? That's illegal. You're disqualified. And they kicked him out. Hmm. And that just to me is absurd. So he did nothing wrong. Why is it his fault that he is, that he can react faster? And by a thousandth of a second, who's to say the technology is even properly like calibrated that we're talking about a one thousandth of a second. So he was 0.099 seconds after the gun went. If he was 0.1, he'd have been okay. See, my first reaction is the general rule doesn't really make sense to me. Like that, that rule doesn't really make sense to me. Like, how are you going to time it out that perfectly? Like, uh, and I don't see how like being able to time it out. I think that should be a part of the skill to run these races, in my opinion. But at the same time, I, I don't think you're going to like this. But rules are rules. No, I, I guess I, I, I get that. And I, to be honest, I actually do understand why the rules there. They don't want guys sitting there knowing, wait a minute, you know what? Maybe I don't have a chance to get against Bolt straight up. But if I jump and I guess it perfectly correctly, if I get that quicker reaction time by two tenths of a second or tenth of a second, I might be able to do something. Maybe yeah, that's the difference like- between a medal and finishing seventh. Right, but I think that I think that's okay, and I think that if you're truly jumping like that, like how many times are you going to be right? How many times? Oh, are you, it, no, exactly. I'm just saying then you're then you're going to false start. No, completely agree. I just think it's one of those where I I agree with the rule being in place because part of you don't, you don't you don't want to you're you're supposed to be looking for the fastest human beings, not the guys who got to jump on the others and were at their top speed a little bit earlier. I I'm just thinking. It's so rigid. Like they sit there and think that there's some like exact science that says no human can have a reaction time faster than 0.1 seconds, which I, I again, I, I, it, it's not exactly real, but I just thought it was really weird that he got punished for being better at reacting than other people. Yeah. So do you, so you think that cause it was so close to the barrier that it, it was just him having a quick twitch reaction. It wasn't him. No. Yeah. No, it's not the, the race before that his reaction time was 0.102. So three thousandths of a separate three yeah. thousandths of a second separate is two reactions. He's just that good. And the other thing that I guess, if I had to make an amendment to the thing, if you get caught doing that, I would say, or I guess say caught. If you have a false start in the sense that your reaction time was too fast, just restart the start you can't get thrown out for that. You didn't jump right. the gun. You you buy you technically started after the gun. Yeah, you 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 didn't break. Can you imagine if you had to clock into work at eight a.m. but you actually weren't able to clock into work until eight a.m. and one second? And if you clocked in between eight and eight in one second, your work was like, you know what, you can't do that. We're docking you like an hour's pay. What? Yeah, interesting comparison. No, it, it, it's again, it's not that important. I just thought it was something that was really weird. I'd never heard of this. I didn't even know that this kind of rule existed, to be fully honest. I just saw it and I was like, how are you going to punish a dude for... So is this, what was this like uh, level of running? I didn't well, catch... The World Championships. Okay. So just like your, obviously your Olympics for the every year thing. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay. But no, that, that's all I really had to say about that. It's not not something super relevant to people's lives. That's something super important. I just thought it was something really interesting. But. Maybe we make that a segment. The like the WTF moment of, of in sports this week. We can do that. Yeah, I like that. I think we start doing that. Um, let's go into so free agency for the NHL happened this past week since we last talked. 
Uh, lots of major moves, lots of controversy. Our hometown team in the spotlight, uh, making a lot of moves on free agency Wednesday. The, I'm going to start off with the biggest deal. Maybe I should save it for later, but I'm going to start off with the big one, the biggest storyline, the biggest free agent. Uh, over 100 points this past year in Calgary. Johnny Gaudreau, after the night before, it was reported that the Flames had offered him eight years, over $10 million, 10.2, I think, was the offer I saw. He had turned it down and told Calgary the night before he would not be returning. Um, that, came, that then came into the teams that he was rumored to be going to were the Flyers, the Devils, excuse me, and the New York Islanders. It boiled down to early in free agency that afternoon. Flyers out, couldn't clear the cap space. Devils, bad team, lots of cap. They could make it happen. They ended up going with veteran Andre Pilat, uh, six, five years by six million. Love that deal, veteran presence. He'll still be somewhat relevant towards the end when they're actually a playoff team. Anyways, Lou Ramarillo in New York. I think he needs to make a better push for them. The Islanders are one good piece like that. Him and Barzell would have been a great option. They were in the mix the entire time. I think Islanders fans are pissed they didn't get him. Um, he ends up signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets who come out of the blue. They're not even talked about. How does that happen? All during the day. Ke the Yarmo Kekalainen, and the general manager had even said he didn't know he was going to be. He was doing a press conference for a horrible uh, Gubranson, I believe is how you pronounce it. Four by four deal, four year, four million deal to like a bottom four defenseman. Terrible deal doing a press conference. And then he left the press conference and said, that's when I knew I, we were somewhat in the mix for Goudreau. Goudreau. We had a shot at Goudreau. This is like four hours after free agency started. Mm -hmm. They're now in the mix. He ends up siding like around seven or eight o'clock, so three or four hours after. So I guess question Columbus is not a hockey town. Columbus no. is a town. It's a, it's an Ohio this, State football town. How does that happen? This is where I'm going to kind of harp on Johnny Goudreau. I'm not a, I think I've said on podcasts, great player, not a player. I think you necessarily win with him being the main piece. His whole thing is I'm going to, well, okay. The final year is seven years because uh, another team can't offer the eight year thing. Only Calgary could have done that. So seven years is the max that he could have been offered. He got seven years at $9.75 million a year. So he threw away about half a million dollars um, plus another year. So he threw away about, what's that, uh, like $11 million-ish. He left about $11 million on the table uh, by taking this Columbus deal. Not only is he not signing with either hometown team in Philly or New Jersey, he's signing – not only, okay, you don't want to live in Canada. That's fine. Calgary's cold. It's not exactly a booming city by any stretch of the imagination. Fine. I get that. Uh, I, you want to live by home. You want to live in the States. That's fine. I get that. But don't go to a worse team, a historic team, a, a team that's only won one playoff series, I believe. Only, I, I don't even think they've been to a Stanley Cup in their 20 years. I think they were founded in 2000 or 2001. In their 22 years, they they haven't been even remotely relevant to winning a Stanley Cup. They're a non-hockey market in a small city in another cold city that is still 12 hours away from home. It's not close to home either. I, yes, it's miles, miles closer than Calgary is. That's for sure. But you're telling me that New Jersey or Philly couldn't get a deal done, or New Jersey or the Islanders couldn't get a deal done, that you would have gone there. 
I, I'm just very baffled that neither team could put up put up a deal. I, I don't get why, even if the deal was, say, like lower in the nines, how that couldn't have gotten done if, if I'm Johnny Goodrum. Instead, we take 9.75 in a very and, – and they're going to have Kev – like that deal, Patrick Laine is their best goal scorer prior to getting Johnny Goudreau. They're going to – he's an RFA this year, young cat. I, I think he's 24. Uh, bit of a character in a bad way. But uh, he, he's a big Mountain Dew and Call of Duty guy. But uh, instead of sleep, sleep, get enough sleep for the Stanley Cup. But anyways, I digress. They're going to have trouble signing him. They don't really have – they don't become a really relevant playoff team there. I mean, they have Wierenski on the books. Jacob Voracek is making $8 million. It's a horrible contract at his age. I don't see this team as a playoff team with Johnny Gaudreau on. I think they're in the mix, and we can talk about teams that put themselves into the mix uh, later on in this free agency segment. But I, it just didn't make sense to me I, – I, Another baffling thing in Johnny Gaudreau was the deal really that much better than what the Islanders or Devils could. I don't know. It had to have been if he settled for his town. That's all I say. The other ones I want to talk about, Claude Giroux, legendary flyer, uh, got traded at the deadline to the Panthers. He signed in Ottawa. Ottawa did a lot of things throughout. I mean, they had the Debrinka trade at the draft and then now bring in a legit – Claude Giroux is a legit 60-point guy still. Now – People thought he was going to take a discount of about, you know, two, he's 34. Take a, He got a three-year by six and a half million. People thought he would take somewhere around four to play on a contender. Ottawa Ottawa will be in the mix for a wild card. They're going to be like Detroit, who I'll talk about in a second. The division's too tough. I don't think they actually have a real shot at the playoffs, but they will be a competitive 500 to slightly above 500 team with the moves they've made with this young core. They they ended up signing a RFA Josh Norris to it. Eight by eight point something. It was like 65 million, 8.1 million, a local kid who I played against growing up. Um, so they he had he had 30 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He had a lot – I mean, he had a great year last year. He plays great with Matthew Kachuk. They've played together since the U.S. National Development Program. They bring in Debrinket. They have Batherson. They bring in Drew now. Their top six is set. Uh, so they're going to be uh, – it's just interesting. I mean, Claude Drew is from Ottawa, so that's kind of the appeal there. He only has to go there for three years. I don't think Ottawa's a cup contender in three years, though. I mean, that core is – Norris is 23 – Kachuk's 23, Batherson's 25. Uh, like, th- they're not ready. They'll be a playoff team maybe year two or year three, hopefully. Uh, Debrinkit's only 24. Like, it- it's a young team that he's joining. Um, so, I mean, it was predictable. A lot of people thought he was either going to take a six or seven million dollar deal on Ottawa or take like three or four and try to stay in Florida, who had cap issues, was right up against the cap. Uh, or some other team that is a legit contender moving forward. Uh, another big one is Evgeny Malkin. He ended up on the eve of free agency being able to get a deal done. The same AAV of $6.1 million that they gave Latang just one last year for four years. So personally with the Latang and Malkin thing, is my thing is we're just going to give these guys the deal. I don't think Malkin's a legit NHL player in four years. I don't think Latang is going to be great in four or five years either. I think – you are committing to your window is now. They brought in John Ruta. They brought in other free agents. They got, you know, other guys signed like Russ. They got uh, Ricard Raquel signed. They, they, their window is these next two years here. Well, 
Malkin is still a legit second line center. Latang's legit top two pairing defenseman. Crosby is still a legit player in the league. While they're still in their early to mid thirties, this is their window, and they've committed to that financially. And I think they know that after this, you know, two, one to three year window, who cares about all this dead cap? We're, we're gonna be we're gonna be in such a rebuild that we're gonna need those bad salaries just to hit the the floor, the salary floor eventually. So I think that's why we're all in now. We'll screw it now down the road. We're going to be in such a rebuild that, hell, we might even need that cap just to hit the floor. Uh, so that's my opinion on the direction of the Penguins. Uh, let's see. Who else did I want to talk about? The goalies, Jack Campbell and Darcy Kemper, uh, each signed five years. I believe Kemper's is 5.6. Jack Campbell's is 5.2. I think Kemper is a very average goaltender and, both these guys are very lucky that they were the only relevant starters because <laughs> uh, that's why they got that much money. I think they're both three or four million goaltenders max, not five and a half like Kemper got. For the Capitals, it makes sense. Uh, the one thing that they really struggled with is goaltending the past two years. And they, again, like Pittsburgh, have that older core of Ovechkin, Backstrom, uh, John Carlson is getting up there in age that they it's now or never, they're going to try and take one more kick of the can at this and solving a goaltender. You know, maybe we have to overpay him a bit to get a decent one in there uh, for Edmonton. Same thing. They have two of the worst goaltenders I've ever seen. Uh, those guys probably would barely make a high school team. Mike Smith's 40. I hope that's the end of his career. I'm sorry, bud. Uh, but he was absolutely brutal in the playoffs. Miko Koskinen sucks too. Um, it, they needed some goaltending, a lot of money for Jack Campbell. Uh, Toronto did some interesting things, letting him go and taking two very mediocre goalies to replace him. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the Lightning, not necessarily free agents, but they signed, they spent about $160 million in about 10 minutes. And they signed extensions for 25-year-olds. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev got eight by eight. Eric Cernak got eight by 5.2 and Anthony Sorelli got 8.6 by 6.5. Basically the young guys of this core that's kind of been this elite team for the last three or four years are now locked in for the very future. They're, they are currently 7 million above the cap right now. Can I ask you something? So do you think they just have like the LA Rams accountants out there and they just like yes. took them on loan and they're like, you know what? Like you guys, you whiz work your magic. We're going to turn a blind eye. You do what you need to do. So this Bree, Julian Breezeball, the GM, um, he was the assistant GM for Iserman for all those years. Mm -hmm. I think he's kind of – he was a lot more to Iserman than people realize as an asset. He did most of the contract negotiations and most of the salary cap work. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a genius with this cap. He has – I don't know who he has as his capologist <laughs> numbers but they they find a way to get into the cap every single year there's seven million above it right now uh it's going to help with Sorelli going is going to be out long term probably how about that you take you take like you're going to miss half the season but you all you know next year is you're getting a two and a half million dollar pay raise that's a heck of a can you Wednesday for you can you imagine being a capologist like that'd be such a cool career yeah I mean a lot of teams have them they're they're actually usually like uh like contract attorneys. Oh yeah, I bet. I'm just saying. Like, I think I wouldn't have the wrong field doing engineering. I'd love to be I a know. capologist. Capologist, right? It's you sound like a scientist, but you get to work in sports. It's kind of a nice, like. I mean, technically, you are doing experiments. You're like, how can I, how can I mess with these numbers to get under a certain like yeah. testing hypothesis? 
think Matt. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just messing, but. Uh, so let's get into the last thing is the Red Wings. Uh, they made the biggest splash. Stevie Y spent a lot of money. They're still $9 million, nine or $10 million from the salary cap. Uh, they had, but they spent over 20, uh, actually, I believe it was 30 million. So let's go through. I'm going to go through each name real quick. Andrew Kopp was the big one. Five years, 5.6 million came from the Rangers. Uh, previously, a Winnipeg Jack uh, traded to the Rangers to the trade deadline. He's going to be a 50 point guy. He's still only 28. He's going to be a legit top, probably that second line center when they're good. It'll be hit. I mean, obviously, you're hoping guys like Marco Casper, the kid you're drafted, gets to that level. But you know that Andrew Kopp is going to be a 50 point legit second line player. And you paid him like a second line. Mm-hmm. Didn't hate the contract. I necessarily free agency in every sport is overpayment day. So yeah. like, I really think like he's a five point six million dollar player. No, but I didn't hate it like for free agency. No, like you said though, it's the you 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 have to go with the market because if you don't pay the guy, someone else will. Right. Exactly. Uh, the next most money they spent was uh, Sharat. Sher- it's not Chariot. It's Sharat just in case you were wondering from the Florida Panthers four by 4.75. He's 31. I wasn't crazy about paying this guy four points. 4.75 is legit top two defender money. He's a physical defensive defenseman uh, who plays well, who, who will play well with an offensive defenseman. He did that with Aaron Eckblad in Florida. Uh, so the plan is for him to play with Mo Sider right now as that top pairing. I think, you know, year three or four, if he's still to that level, he's probably a, a good second pairing defenseman. Great player, too much. That is too much money, regardless of being a free agent. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, who else do we have? Ali Mata, one year, 2.2. 2, uh, kind of bounced around everywhere. Very def- defensive defenseman is fine. Just kind of has not lived up to the hype ever uh it's only a one-year deal low stakes he'll be a second pairing he's a bottom six i mean he's a bottom pairing guy on a decent team on a good team uh he's one of those low risk deals where the plan here is for eisman built better in presence so now this is a better competitive team that the stars can now or the stars the youngsters can now know what competitive looks like and play to a competitive level alongside the that he signed so that when we have these short-term deals with these veterans, you know, it's low risk in that we're not exactly expecting to be a legit team this year, but we are expecting to be competitive because these are legit players and that we expect our youngsters to play to that level and learn from that level so that down the road, we can decide who we want to put in and out when these stars are ready. These young stars are ready. So that's, that's the direction of it. As I kind of read these off, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, David Perron, great player, 34 years old, Two years, four point five million. I actually love the deal. Uh, he's he's a legit player. I I mean, will he be at thirty four? You're always wondering what kind of player he's going to be that you know, come next season. Um, but is a guy that we see on our future Cup winning team? Probably not, just because of his age. But he's a legit fifty to sixty point player. He's won a cup before. He knows he's put, had a lot of playoff experience. Veteran guy. Uh, Dominic Kubalik is the last signing. Two years, two point five. I don't mind it. Legit third line player um, has, has had points where has had streaks where he could go off for 40 points in a season. Low risk deal. Again, someone that is on a, like a prove it to me deal. If you want to be a third liner when we're good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's the free agency. That's the Red Wings. I didn't mind Stevie Wise decisions. I thought it made us better. 
Uh, are we a playoff team? Probably not just due to the Atlantic, which will get us into our debate topic for today. Today's debate topic, you want to read it off? Yeah, so I guess this is something, before I kind of spoil it, this is something I've really wanted to do since we started. But I, can't remember, I, I remember I would always talk with you and say, let's wait for the free agencies to get done. Let's wait for drafts to get done so we have a clear understanding of where each team in the city is standing in terms of rebuilds and in terms of standing amongst the rest, amongst the rest of the league. So I guess our topic is the Detroit teams and which one or how close they are to the playoffs. And then I guess that that's going to be our little list is we're going to rank which ones are the closest. Okay. So how do you want to structure? Do you want to just go? Cause like, I guess with, with the, with the way I have in my notes is I kind of did a little recap on how each team's standing in their rebuilds. And then I'm off to the side. I have like a timeline for the playoffs. Do we want to do something like that? Or do we just want to rank them in, in order? Uh, I just have the rank. Okay. Just rank them in order and you can kind of go off. I, I I don't have too many. I don't have a specific notation on like mm-hmm. years like that. I, 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 I have one for the one and two, but okay. Before I didn't really pay much. Do we, do we want to start? So one's closest, four's furthest. Do we want to start with number four? Yeah, we'll do four. I think uh, it, it's unanimous, right? Yeah, it's the Detroit Tigers, yeah. I think. Uh, year seven of a rebuild. Al Avila is the most incompetent person in his job. <laughs> Uh, Helen Keller so trying. <laughs> Helen Keller trying to mop floors. Uh, she would probably do a better job. Hey, Helen Keller wasn't real. GM. So. Not, that's a different tangent. Okay, but. that's that's a conspiracy. <laughs> that is a conspiracy. He needs to go. The Tigers just. I don't even know what to say at this point. They're a mess. They're a mess. <laughs> so, with I was I was thinking about one thing when I was thinking. Of, I don't even think Alavila's seat is hot. You know why? I think he's doing exactly what Chris Illich wants him to do. I'm a cheap, yeah. ignorant, little silver spoon-fed man because my daddy made some pizza, and I don't want to <laughs> spend money, and I also don't want to take the heat in the media. Yep. So he ha- he sits there, and he employs Alavila, and he says, do nothing. And Al's like, you're my boss. You write the checks. Of course, I'll do nothing. And so, I mean – if you had to guess how far away this team is from the playoffs, what, what would you say? Uh, I would say they're at least three years away. I would go with as long as Alavila is the GM, never. I, I don't think they can get there. You have an owner who refuses to spend, a GM who's never done anything right. How are you going to get there? It's funny because going into this year, I would have told you that this team was a playoff team, not this year, but next year. Give Mice, give Manning. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is supposed to. <laughs> Where is he, by the one. way? Does anybody He's know? having marital issues. <laughs> man, don't talk about it. He, he won't answer his phone. He won't answer his phone. He's ghosted by a player. I know. Uh, you know, Torkelson and Riley Green were, you know, would be in year two of MLB careers. Torkelson's in AAA. Yeah. No, I mean, if I, I kind of, I, I kind of do want to go off with this. Like, I kind of did, or I'm like, you know what? Like, if I could genuinely say never, I would. But like, you mean you have some good pieces. Riley Green's a pretty good ball player. I mean, Torque. Like, I, I did these notes a while ago. This was the, before they sent him down. Should yeah. they have sent him down 200 at bats ago? Maybe. Yeah. I, I think. So my theory on that is, you let him play until you know mid May. He plays about six weeks. He struggles. Yep. You go. You or you say before that you go six weeks here, and then you're going down. Right. No matter what. Mm-hmm. So, so you look, you, you, you're basically saying at that point, look, your six weeks in the show were a reward for how fast you've developed. Now go show us you can do it some more in, in yep. the minors. 
So he's seen, he saw his period on the Tigers as a reward. Now you extend this and you make it, you make him get more and more depressed out of how bad this guy oh, dude, His confidence has to be non-existent. Now, now, a demo, now going down the AAA is seen as a punishment as opposed to his time in the MLB seen as a reward. That's my, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, the only positive thing I could say about the Detroit Tigers, they play in the worst division in baseball. And, right. you know, if you win a division, you go to the playoffs. So I guess maybe there's hope there. But like I said, if, if I could say never, I would I would say they're never going to the playoffs with the current with the current management structure. Yeah. Uh, number three, I have the Detroit Lions. I, I had the same thing. Again, I think that the Lions are tough because. Football is just tough to predict as a whole because there's only you go on a hot streak, you win four games. It's 25 percent of your season. It's also like like uh, this team will be good in like maybe two years from now, but like we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like, and that's the most important position in football. So how can you sit here and predict the team's yeah. success when like the long term playoff or long term quarterback situation has not been solved? Yeah, I so I guess like I, I kind of said like they're just in a tough spot because as long as Aaron Rodgers is still breathing oxygen, you can't win the division. Right. So you can't guarantee yourself a playoff spot. But like you like you said, you do have good pieces. I would probably argue you have a top five to seven O line in the NFL when all guys are healthy. I mean, you have a good running back room. Uh, Jamal Williams, a little bit more power. DeAndre Swift can catch out of the back backfield a little shiftier. You've got a decent wide receiver core a year after probably having the worst wide receiver room in history. I mean, you obviously Chark's not here long term, or at least not yet. Chark's not bad. Jamison Williams coming back from the injury, if they even let him play this year, not bad. Amon Ra had a great breakout year. It, it, it's decent. You could you could probably just obviously use some more help. Hawkinson's a good piece. I mean, defensively, um, I, I still think even after such a defense-heavy draft, I still think there's some concerns there. Yes. Um, I think you have no linebackers. Um, no secondary. The secondary – so, I mean, Oruwari isn't bad. Um, we'll see what happens with Akuda. I personally would like to try him out at safety. I think post-Achilles in, in injury, I think maybe you've lost some of that speed. And if, yeah. you could, if you want it, if you could drop him back as more of like a ball hawk safety, I think that would be that would be a good way to maybe salvage his career if this corner thing doesn't work out, which unfortunately I've been a, kind of a big Akuda defender given the situation he was thrown into. But if it doesn't work out, I'd still like to see him maybe try safety. But – I mean, I have some faith in Brad Holmes. Um, I know you mentioned quarterback, but Will Anderson, if they can find a way to add him next year in the draft, that'd be fun. So you would rather – the problem is, is uh, like we our schedule is so bad this year. We played – Yeah, we're going to win some games. Jacksonville, I think we play Carolina. Like, they'll win, like – I think they want. I think they play like five of the top eight or nine picks in the draft this last well, I mean, year. Well, that's because you have the last place schedule. The NFL is designed for parity. Last place yeah. plays last place. So, yeah. So, so you're like you're going to win three games. They're, they're going to win at least four games this year as to where yeah. they're not going to be a top top three pick. Yeah. They're going to be forced to pick fifth, sixth, seventh. This yeah. Year. I mean, I think even that. I, I think they might be like a high single digits, maybe even low double digits pick. I think you get to. I think getting to six or seven wins will get you there. I think there's going to be a lot of teams all tanking for the QBs this year, and I think that'll mean if as long as you're not tanking, 
I think you're going to be a little bit higher up than you normally would be with a bad record. But right. I don't know. I, I guess if I had to give like a timestamp for the Lions, I'd say two, maybe three years away. And that's very loose term. Like I said, the NFL is so hard to predict because you always do have that team that goes worst to first. You do have crazy things that happen because the season is so short and each game means so much. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree there. I, uh, obviously, we both have them third, so yeah, uh, disagreeing too much. So second, um, I have the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I think the Pistons are three, two to three years away. They have a great young core. I think both of the teams left have a great oh, core and have a lot be, to look forward no, to. We, I rank the Lions at third. But that's just because they have to be somewhere on the list. Right. I think, I the think Lions a, are in a great place in their rebuild, given what they were after yeah. Quintricia. They're just they're just farther back. Yeah, and exactly. It's got the luxury of a number one overall pick. Like, yeah. Two, you know, two years ago now. Um, but you know, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, Katie Cunningham, Jaden Ivy. Now they have all the young pieces there. The difference to me, obviously, number one is the Detroit Red Wings. Difference to me is what they did in free agency, what both teams did in free agency this yeah. year. What's this? Troy Weaver chose to eat bad contracts for better teams. But that is a move that you do when you know you have a young core that is not ready to win yet. The Red Wings got better and grabbed good veteran players. The Red Wings got better in free agency. The Pistons did not. Yeah, so I mean, I had the Red Wings at two. I had the Pistons at one. I'll kind of I'll explain my reasoning. I think it's all similar. I don't think there's I don't think there's a Detroit team that makes the playoff next season. I think both teams are at best two years away. I gave the Pistons the edge because it's a little bit easier to make the playoffs in the NBA. So there's a distinction I have in that. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you have to make the. Oh, absolutely. You can't be. You can't. Absolutely, I I agree. The the play-in game is not the playoff. I'm just saying because being a 10 seed even gets you into the play-in game, your season completely gets erased, and you now have a two-game season. And if you win a two-game season, you're in the playoffs. And I think that's where, because, like I said, a little bit easier in that sense, I I did give them the edge over, like you've always mentioned, it's a tougher division that the Red Wings play in. Yeah, so, I mean, the Red Wings division right now, Toronto is not going anywhere. Tampa is going to be good for the next couple years, so – the Florida Panthers are still very good right now. Ottawa has gotten a lot better. They play I, I three teams and one wild, one potential wild card. So four teams, actually five max could get in theoretically. Um, but, you know, you're still playing Toronto, Tampa, Florida. Ottawa is going to be better. I know I'm just throwing out names here. Um, but they're going to be much better down the stretch here. Carolina. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if the one thing I will say, like, again, the, the one thing I really do like with Eiserman is he actually tries, like, it, I'm going to take the guy who tried and failed over the guy who never tried at all. I'm going to do that every day of the week because at least you gave your team a chance. And, like, he's out there, like you said, he's he spent to improve now. He believes that they're ready now. And the one thing I also do like is kind of the musical chairs at goalie. He had Grice. He was like, you know what, this is enough. Go get Nadelkovich. Nadelkovich, you didn't you didn't sell yourself to me fully. Go get another guy. Right. I, I like the fact that he keeps going until he finds something that is up to his standard. It's yeah. not a, oh, you know what? You're average. That's good enough for us. It's you're not up to my level that I am used to. 
So I, I do yeah. like that. My my Redwings theory is this: Mo Sire was rookie of the year. As good as Cade Cunningham was, was it a rookie of the year? That's because, I mean, Cade Cunningham put up the best numbers. It's just for, hold on. Can I say something? For yeah. the first time ever, you know what happened? The rookie of the year turned into well, look how good his team is. The rookie of the year was an individual based award for sixty years, and then the first time a Detroit player's in contention, suddenly it's all oh, well. You got to look at the team. How good can Cade be? His team sucks. <laughs> I, 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 he put up the best numbers. I mean, okay, fair enough. Lucas Raymond, fifty point. He played yep, no, absolutely second liner at nineteen and twenty years old. You're yep. that's a guy that in two three years from now you're looking at being a 70, 80 point guy. Larkin is still only twenty six years old. Tyler Bertuzzi is only twenty seven. You bring in Andrew Kopp is only twenty eight. This is a very young team. It's the third youngest team in the league still. They, they showed flashes last year of being competitive. And now you bring in veterans that are going to take the game of these young players to the next level. Along within the pipeline, Simon Edvidsson was like one of the best Swedish defense, young defensemen in the league last year. Six, seven guy is going to be the twin tower next to Mo Sider. That, that is one thing where I am in the dark. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm captain prospect in the NHL. I, I don't know the most about what's in the system, in the farm system for the wing. So that may be that something that we also have. Management. We also have a, we have the big Swedish defenseman Edvinson who might yep. love this year. And they also have uh, one of the best goalie prospects in okay. the, in the, in the league and Sebastian Kosa, big six, six kid played a, a Western Canadian kid. Mm-hmm. Like, in the first round last year. Uh, so I, the young core is just going to feed what is already a veteran presence that he added this year. This team is not is going to make the playoffs, not this coming year, but next year. The Pistons might make the playoffs next year because of the playing system. This Red Wings team will make the playoffs in two years from now. Can I, can I say one thing about the Red Wings before I end kind of with the Pistons? So we were talking about the cap. When do you have to start re-signing the Raymonds, the Siders? You're gonna to have to get a deal done with Larkin. Isn't for right. a pending free agent soon? Like, how, where is where's all this money? So, Sider and Raymond will get paid at the end of not this year, but the year after. Okay. Uh, entry level contracts are three years. They're, okay. They finish their first. Bertuzzi uh, and Larkin are both UFAs come next year. Okay. Um, so that those are gonna be. But even then, you're still $10 million. Like, Larkin will probably ask for around seven. Bertuzzi will probably ask for a... Bertuzzi's probably the odd man out if you're looking at what you he's... think he gets traded? I think he gets traded at the deadline this this year. Um, he's not... I mean, he's not Larkin. He's not yeah. Lucas Raymond. He's, he's a solid second liner. Even He's good on a bad team. I, I think you wouldn't be giving him top six praise on a really good team. He's a solid player. I think he's the odd man out of the current roster to be on the roster come winning time. And so to go back to the Pistons, like you said, where the you're like you're set on the fact that the Red Wings will make the playoffs cheers now, whereas the Pistons are kind of fledgling with the playing system. However, you talked about all these bad contracts that he ate up. They're all expiring. So the Pistons will have up to $60 million in cap next season. And next season's free agent class. So this year you had Aiton, Brunson, and Bridges. And 
honestly, thank God they didn't put an offering for Bridges because he might never play in the, in the league yet. But yeah. you, if you look at the others, I'm not saying any of these guys are going to show up that they're guarantees. Up. You're looking at LeBron, Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins, Dylan Brooks, Chris Middleton, uh, Vucevic, D'Angelo Russell. You have a much better free agent class next year to play with. And you get one of those guys, like you said, and then you get a second year of the development of the young guys. I think that's just enough to go from, oh, you're you're flirting with the play-in system to you're now flirting with being a four or five seed. Yeah, I just don't uh, – it's Detroit. Like, I think the only market that UFAs are willing to sign, willing to, yep. is, is the Red Wings. They're the only – they're the all of the four. Uh, Detroit is not seen as a desirable market to any of the other free agents in I- I, I would agree with you absolutely like Detroit is not been the greatest thing but at the same time people do want to play with good players and Cade again I, you know I'm a very big Cade Cunningham guy but yeah. Cade Cunningham is the type of player that at least bas- the basketball city hasn't seen Grant Hill in terms of pure ceiling since Grant Hill I mean if but he, I still don't think that like that matters with like with like a Kyrie Irving free agent. I like I said, I didn't throw that name out saying he's a viable option. No, no, no. And I like he is a free that, agent. And I only said Kyrie Irving because yeah. that was the name you threw out there. I'm saying that <laughs> level in general. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, see, like the one thing that sucks is I feel like Andrew Wiggins is great, but knowing how smart the Golden State Warriors are, they'll find a way to do some sign and trade with him, and like he'll never even hit the market. I feel like Andrew Wiggins would be a great wing guy. Yeah, I mean, to complement what you hope your backcourt is set yep. with the two in Cunningham. Ivy in Cunningham, yeah. He hasn't played a game. You're hoping Dur- Duran, Jalen Duran. Yep. Uh, you're hoping he plays into, like, a legit five. You don't even need a legit five in today's NBA. You just need a big – No, you don't. Get rebounds and be a rim protector. That's all you need him to do. Uh, it, Guys, guys with lesser talent and lesser bodies have made a, a very comfortable living just doing that. Yeah, but it feels like they have some random five that's just a mediocre seven footer every year that can just play defense yeah. and, and maybe hit dunk a ball. But at the same time, if you do have the surrounding pieces, you can get a good role. Then, again, perfect example is Robert Williams with the Celtics. I mean, he was a monster. He is yeah. a monster. The lob threat, the the rim protection, the rebounding that you get out of him. And then the other thing is, if he can switch defensively, that's also huge because you're not going to get bullied in the pick and roll the way you watch some of the other big guys. Like, Jokic got toasted because he couldn't defend a pick and roll. Luka Doncic got toasted because he couldn't defend a pick and roll. If your guys can switch in the NBA – you're you find yourself with a lot more value than oh I can't shoot a three but if you can play defense and play defense on multiple positions it changes what you what you can be viewed as yeah I also think uh the draft or the prospect pool kind of thing like where the Red Bulls have guys that they think in a year or two can come and like be legit players yep. the NBA isn't necessarily like that and that like a you go to the league right away if you're if you're sent to the g league you're normally not going to be a legit yeah you're probably done point um and then if we if you're better next year like the nba unless you're a top three or four pick like you're not a guaranteed like absolutely yeah no i'm not again completely you're then maybe that's one of those things where 
maybe this is that tank for uh, Victor Wembanyama. Like, oh, is that I, that? I don't want to say tank for, but like maybe this is that last piece where Troy Weaver's saying, you know what, I'm going to throw one last dice at the draft before I finally sit there and spend and say, I am now not going to say fully going for it, but I'm now yeah. taking myself out of the, the high lottery. I just think, yeah, at the end of the day, I think they're both in a great and promising spot. I just think the Red Wings, with what they did in free agency, they are now a year ahead of distance. You know, and and I, I, com- I completely agree with that. My, I, I went with the fact that you ha- it's, a li- it's, it's much tougher to co- get into the playoffs from the, from the NHL standpoint in the, in the division right. the Red Wings are in. And I also think, like you said, they, they got the free agency this year, but getting the free agency next year, it's not like you have to wait an extra year after that for that guy to make your impact. You've now had year two of Cade. You've had year three of what Sadiq, year three of Killian Hayes. You've, it, it's, it, you're not going to be playing with children anymore. So you, I, like I said, both teams are in a great spot. It, it, it's, it's nice after what, 15 years of just dark ages in this city. Oh, the, the Tigers were good. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14. So eight years. Yeah, eight, that's still a lot for professional sports. Yeah. Professional sports leagues are designed for parity. And we have all four sports, too. We do have, yeah, that's true. We do have, we do have four teams. I mean, I don't know. All right, you want to wrap it up here uh, until next week? Yeah, I, no, I mean, I was, I was a good, good segment. I like that. Yeah, what? we're gonna have to get, we're gonna have to get creative next week. Let us know what you want to hear if you're listening to yeah. this. Um, Share us with your friends. It really isn't that hard, people. Come on, just be better. Just be a better person. Share it with your oh, friends. Yeah, help us out. Help, help us have some fun. Help us reach more people. You know, we're really smart. We know what we're talking about. We're certainly no Skip Bayless, so you know, tell better, tell your friends. Better than Skip Bayless. That's what I'm saying. Skip Bayless is he's all he's all for ratings. He doesn't tell you a lot of fact based stuff. We're telling we're, we're we are true clairvoyance in the sports world. One could cause like you know Jesus kind of stood above his his peers. Yep. Way back when. No, I and, and was a truth bomber and was a truth seeker. No. One could call us that in the sports world. What is this big J journalism? I, I would not consider me a bit. I, I don't think I'd <laughs> be a big J journalist, but hey, you never know. <laughs> no, yeah. As Connor said earlier, listen, subscribe on Spotify, share this with your friends, let us know what you want, reach out, let let us know what to talk about, and I guess thanks for thanks for thanks for thanks for tuning in, Connor. Last thing before we wrap it up, if you're listening. If you made it this far in the episode, I have a secret to tell you, and I'll tell you it at the end of next podcast. Oh, you're look at you, Gettle. Look at you playing the clickbait <laughs> news. All right. Have a good one, everyone. It hard. <laughs>